What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Villanos, aka Coach V, and this is our Week 11 recap. We're going to recap the playoffs from last week, uh, specifically 1A, 2A, 4A, and 5A, and then we're going to talk about some, uh, you know, some important 3A games that happened in the last week of their regular season as well. Uh, On this episode, I'll also be doing predictions uh, for each matchup here moving forward, and then we'll have our usual players of the week type of deal. And so to get this started, we're going to go ahead and start on the 1A level here. And so we're going to go ahead and start with Lyman versus Bennett. Lyman won this one as expected, 45-0. to zero. Uh, I don't think anybody picked Bennett among our picks, but Lyman, they did have four different players score on a rushing touchdown. Jeremiah Leeper had 13 carries, 108 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. And then Gabe Shubarth had five carries for 108 rushing yards and one rushing touchdowns. Uh, the defense also played really well, two sacks, Two interceptions, two forced fumbles that they both recovered. So like I said, Lyman goes ahead and dominates their way into the next round of the playoffs. And they will be playing the winner of this next game that I'm going to talk about right here. And that is the winner of this North Fork versus Wiggins game. North Fork would actually beat Wiggins. 38-25. to Uh, Cole Kerr, the quarterback for Wiggins, the junior quarterback, he passed for um, 16 of 28, 295 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, threw one interception. He also ran eight times for 49 yards. But it was North Fork's sophomore quarterback, Hunter Marino, who went 12 of 21 for 261 passing yards and two passing touchdowns. Uh, Senior receiver Blaine Peebles, though, definitely carried uh, this North Fork offense. With eight receptions, 235 receiving yards, and two receiving touchdowns, he also had a pretty big interception in this game as well and so North Fork goes ahead and takes care of Wiggins 38 to 25 to move on to the next round and play Lyman at Lyman. So with that being said I'm gonna go ahead and announce our predictions. Once again we do have Anthony Garcia from Mile High Prep Report. We have his picks here. Uh, By the way his 1A predictions will come out on Thursday so the day after this episode releases. So if you want to check out his reasoning, go ahead and check out his reasons there. But he went ahead and picked Lyman. Um, And then I also had Mason and Cody give me their picks. And I told them to write down one reason why they feel like, you know, the team that they're picking is going to win. And so that's what we're going to do for the rest of these predictions here. But Cody, he picked Lyman, and his reason was Lyman's lead back gets more carries, and uh, North Fork will get worn down in this game. That's all he wrote down there. And then um, Mason said, Powerhouse Lyman should get it done again. And that's pretty much it. And I'm also picking Lyman. You know, I believe Lyman, yes, they are a powerhouse. They have been managing their backs really well, especially Jeremiah Leeper, not overusing him. And so if they ever do find themselves in a tough situation where they need to lean on him, I'm sure him getting 20 to 30 carries a game is not out of the question and really wouldn't hurt his health um, this late in the season. And so, yeah, Lyman, I think, easily gets his dub over North Fork here. 
Moving on though, Florence did play Monta Vista. They beat them uh, pretty easily, at least that's what it looks like on the scoreboard, 23-0. But Florence did not dominate the way some people may have thought they would, as it was a, only a 6-0 game. Uh, pretty much the whole game leading into the 9-minute mark uh, left in the 4th quarter. At that point, quarterback Levi Paxton would throw a touchdown. And then Logan, I want to say Botier? Hopefully I'm saying that right. He got a pick six to seal this one. Florence wins 23-0. to Let's go ahead and face the winner of this Ray versus Highland game here. And speaking of that game, Ray versus Highland. Ray would defeat Highland 34-9 to pretty easily. Freshman quarterback Casey Midcap had a pretty solid game. A pretty solid playoff debut, by the way. Going 15-20 of for 162 passing yards. Two passing touchdowns. He also had eight carries for 55 rushing yards and then uh, running back Caden Bauer also had a pretty solid game 14 carries 90 yards and two rushing touchdowns also this Ray defense recovered two fumbles in this game playing a pretty clean game I don't think they had any turnovers you know and then defensively held Highland to only nine points playing a very good game and dominating how we all believe they would now let me go ahead and go into predictions for this Florence versus Ray team, I believe the winner of this game plays the winner of the Lyman versus North Fork game. But Cody said he has Ray because he didn't see Aguilar in the box score. He has no idea what his status for for uh, Florence for that game, uh, who has the Lincoln Knicks going both ways, which could make this a very long game. He says he's going to have to go with Ray, who looked more dominant, didn't look to have as many holes last week as Florence did, so he's going with Ray this week. Mason, on the other hand, had a different opinion picking Florence. He said, just straight up, I feel like Florence can take care of this squad somewhat easily so we're gonna see about that and then anthony he went ahead and picked ray here and you know what that's what i'm going to do as well i'm gonna go ahead and pick ray to win this game against florence uh in my opinion i think this will actually be a really close game but florence did show they were maybe a little bit more vulnerable than most may think in the playoffs here uh, and like I said, on the other hand, Ray played a very clean game last week, a very dominating uh, game last week. And so I think Ray goes ahead and takes care of business here. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. This might be a one score game or like a, I don't know, like a beat it out brawl type of game, to be honest with you, you know, coming down to the wire here. But I think Ray, they just play a cleaner game usually. And so I'm going to go ahead and go with Ray to beat Florence in this matchup to face the winner of that Lyman versus North Fork game. All right, but let me go ahead and talk about Centauri versus Payton. Uh, I think we all picked Centauri to win this game. As usual, they don't have any stats, so not I can't talk about this game a lot unless I was here. But they did beat Payton 45-6. to No surprises here. So they go ahead and move on to the next round of the playoffs, and they'll be playing the winner of that Yuma versus Strasburg game. And speaking of that game, Yuma would actually go ahead and beat Strasburg. 35 to 20 behind the performance of sensational senior running back Clay Robinson. He had 23 carries for 198 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns. Like I said, another sensational performance, proving he's one of the best in Colorado. But defensively is where Yuma would get a gun. Uh, you know, this was a two-score game at the end of the day, and so those two interceptions that 
backup quarterback Caleb Hart for Strasburg through, uh, it mattered. It just mattered at the end. You can't be having those interceptions against a team like um, Yuma, who has athletes all over the field. You hear Trejo and Clay Robinson kind of leading that charge there. And so Yuma gets by Strasburg and obviously capitalizes on those mistakes to go ahead and move on to the next round and face another strong running team in Centauri, who has a star running back of their own here. But let me go ahead and hop into predictions for the Centauri versus Yuma game, which should be a really good one, one of the more entertaining games this weekend. And so I'm going to go ahead and start with Cody's prediction here. He said Yuma's win last week was awesome in proving us wrong, and I should have went with my gut last week. This week, my gut is telling me a fully rested Centauri team doesn't choke. They're not fully rested, though, because they beat Payton, but I kind of get what he's saying, though. Uh, wouldn't mind Yuma forcing Centauri to choke, making me choke on my words for the second week in a row, though. He's picking Centauri, though. Uh, so, there you go, there. Like I said, uh, Centauri's not rested. They play Payton, but they beat him pretty easily. I imagine they were at least able to get Mason Clanch and the crew some, uh, you know, some rest in the waning minutes of that game. Mason also said he is taking Centauri because while Yuma took a great win last week, I don't think they can handle this Centauri squad. And Anthony goes ahead and picks Centauri as well. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and pick Centauri here, uh, making it 4-0 us picking Centauri. But don't get it twisted. Outside of the predictions, this should be a pretty close game. I thought maybe one of the other guys might have picked Yuma here. Uh, but honestly, I expect Mason Quanch and Clay Robinson to go crazy in this important showdown. And it will be back and forth. In my opinion, the running back with the most touchdowns and yards wins this game. And so, you know, we're going to have to see. But I'm going to give Centauri the slight edge here just because they've been dominant all season. There hasn't been really any games where teams have been super close to them. Uh, obviously, outside of that Lyman game where they lost by a lot. But other than that, they've beat down a lot of teams. I don't think they're going to beat down Yuma, but they're going to make them work. And Yuma's going to have to play a perfect game. They're going to need to force turnovers is what's going to happen. And then score off of those turnovers in order to win. Obviously, in any game, that's what it comes down to. But against Centauri, a team that's explosive a team that has a back that could blow up for a 70 yard touchdown run at any moment he's a home run hitter you gotta make the most out of those turnovers and also keep the ball out of their offense's hands so that's the game plan for yuma here at least that's what i would think so if they were to beat centauri that's what they do but i'm still picking centauri here moving on though we have meeker versus holyoke this was a exciting, fantastic, one of those games that you wish you were there at. This was a very good game. Meeker would actually beat Holyoke 42-35. to And that's in thanks to their guy, Kelton Turner, who simply played hero ball this whole game. He just had one of those days. He was let loose for 21 carries, 238 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns but on the defensive end of the ball was where he made a lot of very big plays as well. He also had 13 total tackles, two interceptions this game, one of those being a pick six. He did all that and beat Meeker by one touchdown. 
basically. But let me go ahead and break down how this fourth quarter would end, how this game would end here. So Miles Sprague, he would score a one-yard rushing touchdown with three minutes left in the fourth, making this a 35-35 game. That is following a 65-yard touchdown run by Kelton Turner earlier in this fourth quarter at around the 9-minute, 10-minute mark. And so Holyoke would go ahead and, you know, make this a game one more time. That may, some people may have thought that, you know, that Kelton Turner touchdown was maybe the dagger, but it wasn't. Sprague proves that he could go ahead and get it done and scores his touchdown to make it a close one. Now, what would happen next? They would kick off. Um, there was a fumble on the kickoff, but it was overturned. They said that Meeker, the player who fumbled it, his knee was down. And so there's a huge uproar uh, on the field. And this causes a costly, unsportsmanlike penalty that puts Meeker at the 50-yard line. Uh, and so that's where they would begin this drive. And Meeker would drive. And with less than 22 seconds left in this game, they're using up most of this clock here, mind you. Um, and also, I believe they got a face mask penalty, so that's another 10 or 15 yards added on. But they would use a lot of that clock, and with 22 seconds left, or sorry, less than 22 seconds left, number 16, Connor Blunt, would complete a 5-yard pass to his guy, number 44, Dag and Dade, for the game-winning touchdown. Meeker goes ahead and wins this one 42-35 to beat Holyoke in the first round and move on to the next round of the playoffs, winning an absolute thriller. So, there you go. That's how that game went down between Meeker and Holyoke. Meeker's opponent would have been the winner of this Buena Vista versus Gunnison game. And it was Buena Vista who won pretty easily, 42-14. to 14. Uh, <laughs> This was not a close game. Hayden Camp went 4 of 8. 42 passing yards, 2 passing touchdowns. Had 8 carries, 108 rushing yards, 1 rushing touchdown. Jacob Phelps. Uh, the running back for Buena Vista, ran 11 times, 115 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, and then Tucker Storms, he came down with both of those receiving touchdowns, so their big three was popping off this game for this BV squad. I, <laughs> okay, I saw someone comment, what is Mason's problem after he picked Gunnison to beat Buena Vista? I, I don't know why. He said he wanted to pick an upset, and he just had a feeling, and so that obviously didn't work out. Buena Vista is going to face Meeker in uh, the next round of the playoffs, which should be a good one. So let me go ahead and talk predictions for this Meeker versus Buena Vista game. Cody is picking Buena Vista. Uh, here's what he had to say, having way harder time with this than I initially thought after the really close game earlier and Kelton Turner's performance last week. Still gonna go with the higher seed in the BV squad here, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, with another tight game in this one, Buena Vista versus Meeker, but he's going with a BV. Uh, Mason learned his lesson from last week. He's picking Buena Vista. Solid team with some playmakers to get it done. I think it'll be closer than everyone expects, though. So there you go. Then Anthony, he is rocking with Buena Vista. As am I. I am rocking with Buena Vista. I know I've said there are a lot of, you know, pretty exciting games on this 1A level. Um, obviously, it's playoffs, so there you go. But, in my opinion, this will be one of the best games, if not the best game, on the 1A level this weekend. And it's honestly a shame both teams have to meet in the second round. And only one can move on to the semis. And so, with that being said, I'm rolling with Buena Vista to win this game. Because I believe they have uh, a more complete team. 
uh, than this Meeker team right now who really relied on Kelton and Turner to do probably the majority of that heavy lifting to win that first playoff game. Uh, don't get it twisted, you know, Buena Vista's defense, they need to key in on Kelton Turner and stop him from taking over this game like he did against Holy Holyoke. Like, you can't just ignore Kelton Turner and get into a shootout. You gotta stack the box, and you gotta hit this dude at the line of scrimmage, tackle well, wrap up, forget the hard hits, wrap up for a five-yard game, maybe two-yard game, you know, take that, but don't let Kelton Turner blow up and, you know, have like multiple 50-plus yard touchdown runs, because he is a home run hitter, like um, the Yuma running back, Clay Robinson, like Centauri's running back, Mason Clunch, you need to lock up against him. Um, that's what you got to do defensively. Offensively, I'm not as worried, but defensively, you got to do better here. Um, well, not better. You just got to do well against Couts and Turner. Um, but like I said, should be a close game. I won't be surprised if Meeker wins. I'm leaving that door open here because they do have a good squad around Couts and Turner, specifically that offensive and defensive line. But other than that, I'm rocking with Buena Vista here. That will wrap up. 1A, let me go ahead and talk about 2A, starting with Eden versus Ken Denver. Eden took care of business pretty easily here, 45-6. Walker Martin with a near-perfect performance, near-perfect, not perfect, going 8-10 for 138 passing yards, one touchdown, one passing touchdown, along with four carries for 60 yards and one rushing touchdown. I went ahead and confirmed with my sources here, because uh, Ethan Flores did not play at all this game. Did not show up in the stat box at all. And so my sources, uh, I'm going to go ahead and keep those anonymous. But he went ahead and said that they looked at the film, decided that this is, you know, a pretty winnable game without Ethan Flores. And so they went ahead and gave him a bit of a rest so that he will be fresh going into the rest of this playoffs and championship run for Eden. And so with that being said, it was Ryder True and Ryan Dirksen that, uh, you know, took a lot of that load, combining for three rushing touchdowns on only a combined 14 carries and 54 combined yards. Like I said, still enough to go ahead and get it done. Uh, but Ethan Flores, he's not hurt. He is probably healthier than ever. Well, as healthy as you can be late in this season. And so they're going to go ahead and have him back next week on offense and defense, obviously. Um, but defensively, this Eden team looked pretty good. Uh, they looked strong, tagging up two sacks, one forced fumble slash recovery, and they also got three interceptions. Shout out to my boy, Rogan Barr. He got one of those three interceptions there for Eden as they go ahead and take care of Kent Denver 45-6 to in a dominant one. They will be playing the winner of this Elizabeth versus Bayfield game. Which I'm gonna go ahead and talk about right now. Elizabeth uh, beats Bayfield only 17 to zero. I think it's important to note here. Uh, Bayfield senior quarterback Isaac Ross had a really bad game. Threw five interceptions this game. Uh, no touchdowns. Still though, it was a 17 point game. Um, so to Bayfield's defense and their credit, you know, they only allowed 17 points, but could not get it done as those turnovers obviously killed them. And so Elizabeth will be going on in a rematch game against Eden. And so speaking of that, let's go ahead and hop into predictions here. Uh, I'm going to go first this time to, you know, switch it up. Eden dismantled this team 31 to seven earlier in the season. And in my opinion, nothing has changed. Uh, this game probably should not be close. Even if Ethan Flores doesn't play, they would probably still be good. 
but they do have him. He's healthy. He's rested. He is ready to rock and roll. And so I'm going to pick Eden to win this game regardless there. Um, Mason, he goes ahead and picks Eden. All he said here, um, they're a powerhouse. And you're right, Eden is a powerhouse. So there you go. <laughs> Cody, he picks Eden here as well. He said Eden moves on enough said. And then obviously Anthony Garcia from Mile High Prep Report goes ahead and picks Eden to win this one easily and move on to the next round of the playoffs as they continue their dominant performance this season. Now heading into this next matchup, we have Delta versus Alamosa. Delta took care of Alamosa as expected, 45-14. to 14. Uh, Delta did take down the 13th seed pretty easily despite their freshman quarterback Ty Reed struggling in his playoff debut. No noticeably, that is as well. He went 2 of 7 for 75 passing yards, threw 2 interceptions though, and he also had 9 carries for 16, 60, sorry, 60 rushing yards, which is not a bad, I mean, it's not a horrible stat line. They still won 45 to 14, but two of seven, obviously not great. And then those two interceptions, that's a pretty big deal there. And so, uh, wouldn't press them, you know, I wouldn't be super alarmed about this right away, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on, uh, in this next matchup in the next round of the playoffs. But luckily senior running back Timothy Horn on 27 carries had 165 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns leading Delta in this pretty easy win. And they will be playing the winner of university versus Moffitt County. And in that University versus Moffitt County game, you know, it was a pretty good one. You had two really good teams facing off in the first round. Moffitt County being the running team with their star running back Evan Atkin. University with their dominant offense led by their quarterback Greg Garza. And all those receivers, uh, Tate Chacon, Logan Getting, and Cannon Padilla. But University actually wins in a huge upset. The 12th seed beating the 5th seed behind Greg Garza's sensational performance. He won 7 of 18 for 166 passing yards, 3 passing touchdowns, also ran 24 times for 132 rushing yards, and 1 rushing touchdown. But notably, this university defense played extremely well, uh, shutting down, or I shouldn't say shutting down, but limiting Evan Atkin to only 14 carries on 85 yards and one rushing touchdown. Uh, Kanan Padilla and Jacob Cruz would also, would also each have an interception and two pass deflections. Uh, this defense would have four sacks on the day as well as this university defense stepped up and played uh, very well as this university offense did its thing. But we now have a matchup between University and Delta, two teams that can pass the ball here. And so let's talk predictions. In my spotlight episode of University like a month or two ago, I did say that this University team is a squad that can be a dark horse team and make a run at state and I still believe that. Against Eden, they played them pretty tough. Now granted, they didn't have Morgan Trebet, which is a pretty big deal, but they still played them pretty tough, and they were, I would say, a play or two away from beating a tough Eden team. 
And so that's university's potential, in my opinion. Maybe even winning state, too. But for them to do that, they would have to beat Eden. But for now, they are in the second round. They're playing Delta, who is a higher seed. So that means they're going to Delta. And you know, Delta, they have a freshman quarterback in Ty Reed, who did struggle last week against an Alamosa team that really isn't that good. I don't think he's going to play that bad against University. But I think University is going to take advantage of his youth and his inexperience and, you know, give him some trouble. This University team has some athletes on the defensive side of the ball uh, between Jack Virgil and Cannon Padilla. They have some dudes here that could, you know, wreck a little bit of havoc here. They're not just an offensive team that could pass the ball. They have some athletes on that defensive side. And so I think... The defense is able to do enough here to slow down this Delta team, potentially even shut them down if things start going their way. While this university offense continues to roll, they need to play a clean game, mind you, but I think this university offense, um, they're going to start quick, they're going to start fast, that's how they go, and they're going to try to score um, pretty quickly here and get up pretty quickly. If they do that and this game becomes one of those track meets, one of those shootouts where, you know, the team with the ball uh, last wins, I have my money on university here. I think University just has a more dominant offense. And then defensively, I think if they scheme right, they could give that freshman quarterback over at Delta Tyreed some problems there. But it's not just about Tyreed. It's about the running game as well. They need to tackle well against Delta and really try to slow them up. Because I really do think if this University offense can put some pressure on the Delta offense to match them, I don't think Delta has it in them uh, this year, that is, to go ahead and outshoot this university squad. But those are my predictions. Let me talk about everyone else's predictions here. Starting with Cody, he is picking university to ride this momentum. What he said specifically, actually, university rides his momentum for a second straight upset and forces freshman quarterback Ty Reed of Delta to make too many mistakes. Cody Stauffer has university in this matchup. Uh, Mason, he has university as well. I see an upset happening again because of this squad has heart. Mason, I'll have to agree. Um, you know, shout out to all those boys over there. I really like the quarterback, Greg Garza. You know, I think he's a talented quarterback despite being kind of a smaller, you know, guy over there. But he's just as talented as anybody and arguably the number one quarterback in two-way this year. And so I definitely agree with that. I think they're well-led with a lot of seniors on that squad as well. And so you can't go wrong with that. And then Anthony, he actually picks Delta to beat University. And so once again, remember, his 2A predictions come out on Friday. So if you want to check those out, uh, make sure you check out Mile High Prep Report. I believe if you click on our link tree, um, there should be a link to the Mile High Prep Report website. So there you go but uh everyone here well except for anthony is picking university so three to one university well let's move on and hop on the other side of this bracket actually and talk about resurrection christian versus la hunter um you know they took care of business <laughs> 56 to 15 this was not a close one eddie lemos turned loose in another sensational performance uh, furthering his playmaker of the year status by the way uh, we're gonna have that award show at the end of the year on the 2a level well every level but anyways 
Eddie Lemos, he went 5 of 5 for 122 passing yards, 3 passing touchdowns on 8 carries. He also had 187 rushing yards and 2 rushing touchdowns. Um, and then running back Cade Dunlap on only 8 carries had 136 rushing yards and 2 rushing touchdowns as Raz easily takes care of La Hunta and moves on to the next round to play the winner of this brush versus basalt game. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and own up uh, to this one for everyone on the podcast. I think all of us picked Basalt to win. Um, I don't know if Anthony did, but I think the majority of us picked Basalt to win. But Basalt loses to Brush 43-23. to Brush actually took control of this game very early on and was up 23-3 to at half thanks to two Ty Griffith touchdowns. One was a receiving touchdown from his quarterback, obviously, uh, and then the other one was a rushing touchdown. And Basalt will not score a touchdown until the three-minute mark in the third quarter, but by then, it was pretty much already too late. If you're scoring your first touchdown at the three-minute mark in the third quarter, that is never a good sign. But Brush quarterback Alejandro Matos Garcia had himself a game and put this one away, especially in that second half and so right now we have brush versus resurrection christian in the next round of this playoffs and so let's talk predictions and like always i'm gonna get this one started well not always but um look here's the thing brush they need to come out with another fast start to win this game because Raz has been unstoppable on offense and they've really given every team outside of eden who they only lost by like what that was like 10 to 7 or something small like that, like a touchdown. Uh, they only lost to them by a touchdown. But other than that, they've bashed pretty much every team. Like, really, like, just dominated every single team in front of them. And so, honestly, Brush cannot have turnovers if they're going to beat this explosive Res team. I think that's a little bit too much to ask. So, I'm going to go ahead and go with Resurrection Christian to win here. Anthony is also picking Resurrection Christian to win here. And Mason, he is picking Rez to win here as well, saying Resurrection Christian is a stout team and Brush will have to play a perfect game, if not better than perfect, to win this game. I totally agree with that. And then Cody, he's picking Resurrection Christian to win, making it 4-0 Rez, but he said Brush will not do enough to quench the hunger Rez has for a rematch with Eden, and for that to happen, it would have to happen in state so there you go moving on though to our second to last matchup on the 2a level we had sevens versus platte valley uh, this one was a blowout sevens dominated 35 to 7 over platte valley um they dominated you know obviously in all aspects of the game to win 35 to 7 but defense is the bread and butter of the sevens silver knight team in this game, they dominated with nine total sacks, two fumble recoveries, and two interceptions. And I'm pretty sure they scored a touchdown on defense as well. This is not uncharacteristic to the Severance team, as they probably have the second best defense into a right next to Eden here. And so they're going to actually play the winner of this TCA versus Northfield game. Which was also not a close game. TCA takes care of Northfield 
42 to 6. Now, not all of their stats are in for this game. At least I don't think so because the numbers don't add up. But you know, TCA usually plays their great offensive game. Uh, in my opinion, TCA has the number one offense in the state of Colorado, at least on the two-way level. And so for them to go up against Severance here will be a very good game. Um, but let me still talk about this TCA Northfield game. Um, so offensively, you already know they did their thing. Kate Palmer, Sam, Segovia, all of them boys. They're just ballers. But they actually played a very exceptional game on defense. Defensively as a unit, they had six and a half sacks and one interception in a beatdown of Northfield that wasn't even close. And so let me go ahead and talk about TCA versus Severance here. First off, I will be at this TCA versus Severance game in Colorado Springs. It'll be on Saturday at 1 p.m. So I'll be pulling up to that one on Saturday now that the middle school playoff games are pretty much over at this point. But I think this will be a close game. Um, this will be the closest TCA gets to playing an Eaton-like defense before potentially playing Eden in state and so this will be good practice you're gonna get a lot of good film out of this game here for sure but severance you know they win this game by limiting the TCA offense to nothing more than 21 points if severance wants to win this game they can't allow more than 21 points to TCA um, but offensively, you know, this Severance team cannot afford to struggle like they did against Eden. They did not score at all. They got stuffed at the goal line two or three times. Now, do I think TCA's defense can do that as in stop Severance at the goal line on fourth down like two or three times? No, I think they could maybe do it one time. But the thing about TCA is that they have so much talent on offense, you know, um, they're pretty much good for a score every drive they also have a kicker as well so they could kick field goals too and so you know if i'm severance you need to have a good performance from your quarterback nolan hertzke he cannot be missing as many open passes as he did against eden um like i said you know tca defensively isn't eden but i think they're underrated and i think you know they're overlooked because of the dominance of this tca offense but back to Severance here, Severance will need to score after every turnover. If Severance somehow gets a turnover on TCA, they need to score. They can't go without a score on a turnover. You just can't against a TCA team that is explosive on offense. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and choose TCA. I think this offense finds ways to get it done. They find multiple ways to get it done, by the way, and I think they'll you know, they'll do enough defensively to limit this Severance offense. I'm taking TCA in a very close one, but don't get it twisted. This will be a very good game here. Anthony Garcia will also take TCA in this game. And then uh, Cody, he, or sorry, Mason, he is going to take TCA in this game as well. He says it's going to be an amazing game, but a closer win for TCA because their playmakers get it done. Yes, you're right, Mason. TCA's playmakers have got it done so far this season. And then Cody is picking TCA uh, for shutting up doubters last week and showing this week they can beat legit opponents. This will be the hardest opponent of the season, in my opinion. Honestly, up until now, they've played a very, you know, uh, cakewalk type of schedule. And so this will be a very good, or this will be a very good matchup against Sevens to see where you're at. 
Uh, well, really, you can't see where you're at. You either win and move on or lose and go home. So we'll, we'll know where they're at, uh, whether they move on to the next round or not. But if they do beat Severance, I have a good feeling about them at least getting to state. Let's keep this thing rolling, though. Let's go ahead and hop into 3A here. Now, obviously, there weren't any playoff games, but there are a couple important games that happened that did affect playoff seeding and whatnot, at least in my opinion, and some just great performances that we have to talk about on the show. So it'll be a little bit of a break from our playoff recaps here, but let me go ahead and hop into it. Lutheran beats Green Mountain 58-8, to another dominating performance by this contender right here. Clayton Jacobs went 14 of 18 for 219 passing yards, four passing touchdowns through one interception, but also ran 14 times for 119 yards and four more rushing touchdowns as a Lutheran stays undefeated. Clayton Jacobs, eight touchdowns on the day. That is wild. I don't know if you've had any player uh, this season score eight touchdowns, eight total touchdowns uh, in a game yet. So congrats to Lutheran and uh, congrats to Clayton Jacobs. You already know he's in the run, uh, in the running for our player of the week award here on the 3A level. Then we have Frederick versus Meade. This was an upset win and not a close one at that. Frederick beats down Meade. 45 to 19 in a huge, huge dub for Frederick. Um, and this is thanks to their tough rushing attack where they had three running backs going over 100 rushing yards in River Lakey, Cruz Zamudio, and then Parker Ayers. Parker leading the squad with 24 carries on uh, 197 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns as they go ahead and embarrass this Mead Mavericks team right before the playoffs too. And uh, you already know Parker Ayers, he is in that running for player of the week. Moving on, we do have a really good uh, game here between Fort Morgan and Holy Family. Fort Mo Morgan would go ahead and win this one over Holy Family though. 49 to 30 in an absolute shootout. Uh, Fort Morgan wins this one despite a 271 yard and four touchdown performance from their young quarterback, Ryland Cooney, but he also threw two interceptions. So there you go. And it was only 15 of 35, but Fort Morgan goes ahead takes care of business, and beats Holy Family. And then the last 3A matchup I want to talk about in the last week of the regular season, Pueblo County beats Pueblo South 13-0. I talked about this in the 3A preview. I don't think Pueblo South was trying to rest anybody. In my opinion, I think this is a game you kind of want to win if you could possibly get a higher seed because they were at the ninth seed or they ended up at the ninth seed, Pueblo South, I think, um, when they potentially could have gotten maybe home field advantage in the first round at the eighth seed. But County goes ahead, gets a big win because of junior running back Cody Lanier. He carried 22 times for 152 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. And so that'll wrap up 3A. That was only three minutes. But that'll wrap up 3A here. Uh, playoffs start next week. We're going to do 3A recaps uh, next week along with all of these other ones. So there you go. But let's go ahead and hop into 4A football. So let's get this thing going here. We have Denver South versus Mesa Ridge. This was going to be a good one. The winner of this game plays number one Montrose. But... You know, Denver South goes ahead and pulls this one out, 24-21, in a very close game. 
Joseph Capra, he had a nice game going 20 of 27 for 216 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, no turnovers. And then he had nine carries for 53 rushing yards as Denver South goes ahead and ekes out a pretty close game against a very talented Mesa Ridge team here and goes on to play Montrose in the next round of this playoffs. So I'm going to go ahead and start with my prediction here. Um, you know, I'm going to pick the upset here and I kind of went back and forth. I think in my original bracket, I had Mesa Ridge moving on and then I had Montrose winning. I, at that point, I kind of believed Montrose would be Mesa Ridge or Denver South, either one. But I think I'm going to roll with Denver South in a close win. Now, you got to keep in mind, you know, this Montrose team gave Braden Dorman some problems. But I think if Capra has one of those phenomenal games, he can get it done along with his running back, Chevelle, early. Um, Capra, he needs to have a 300-yard and 300-plus touchdown type of game, and that's total, by the way. And so I just think if this is a close game and it's coming down to the wire, I trust Joseph Capra, the quarterback for Denver South, a ton more than whoever Montrose has over there right now. So I'm going to actually go ahead and pick Denver South winning in this upset dub right here. Mason agrees as he does have Denver South winning. He says Denver South's offense is potent. I don't think Montrose's schedule was all that good. Um, yeah, all the, I, I think he meant like it wasn't like a hard schedule for Montrose. And so they really haven't played a team like Denver South. So there you go. And then Cody, he says he is picking Denver South. Um, he's going to say here, Denver South has faced an offense like Montrose with Aurora Central. And I think AC, Aurora Central that is, has better athletes. And this offense is proven. So going with the Ravens. So he's going with the Ravens to upset the number one seed in 4A. So there you go, we're all taking a swing here, and we're picking Denver South to upset the one seed. Obviously, Montrose is the one seed for a reason, so this won't be a blowout. Wouldn't be surprised if Montrose wins, but, you know, we're, uh, we're rooting for Capra and the squad over there. Uh, so we're just going to have to see what goes down in that playoff game. Moving on, though, into this next playoff game, we have Golden versus Cheyenne Mountain, and Golden dominates and wins this one. This is not close, uh, like how we predicted, how all of us predicted, basically. Golden wins 47-6. Jazel Riley, the fourth, continues to cement his reputation as one of the best quarterbacks in the state and one of the best in the country. He went 15-20 for 215 passing yards, Four passing touchdowns, did throw two picks though, but he also had 11 carries for 61 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown in his playoff debut here. And honestly, even with two interceptions, Riley played well enough to blow out the Cheyenne Mountain team for the first time. Um, well, not, okay, not for the first time, but getting their first playoff win for the first time since 2002. That was 19 years ago. Oh man, I'm just realizing most of this Golden team was not born when Golden last won a playoff game. So that's absolutely wild, and that's not a feat that you could just overlook. Uh, so shout out to JR4, and shout out to that entire Golden squad for going ahead and making history here and getting the job done 
versus Cheyenne Mountain. Uh, moving forward, they actually have a showdown with Fountain Fort Carson here in Colorado Springs, or well, I guess it's over at Fountain Fort Carson actually. And so I will be in attendance of that Golden versus Fountain Fort Carson game Friday night at 7 p.m. That is Friday Night Lights. I think it will be an excellent matchup. So let's hop into predictions here. Uh, I think so here here's the deal golden goes to fountain fort carson but i'm gonna pick golden to win slightly for the upset golden has lost a lot of close ones though in the last couple weeks uh leading into this playoff dub against shine mountain they lost close ones against dakota ridge and chatfield both of them were like one score games um, so there you go. In my opinion, I think this golden team is battle tested in those games. They showed that they can hang with the contenders in this state. And so with that being said, I think golden is feeling themselves in this one. They have a lot of confidence, you know, after winning that, um, huge game, I think going into this fountain for Carson game, they're ready to play their best football of the year and so obviously it goes without saying jr4 and golden winning this game will be absolutely huge because this fountain fort carson team has probably the best secondary in the state of colorado um you know and so it wouldn't be super surprising if they shut down or try to shut down jr4 uh but they will need to do that to win this game and i think they're more than capable i think this secondary could go head to head with any receiving core any quarterback in the state and win i would say the majority of the time also running back desmond oliver for fountain fort carson will need to carry this offense most likely in order for fountain fort carson to win so this may be the closest game of the weekend and i think it'll be a battle but i think i'm gonna roll with golden just slightly here which is tough because i love this fountain for carson team i think they're a fun team to watch i think they have a lot of fantastic skill players a lot of dudes who are probably gonna make our top five list so there you go but i'm picking golden to win this one and you know cody is actually gonna pick golden to win this one as well he says okay he says golden has faced teams like fountain but i don't think fort carson has seen an offense quite like golden and is taken by surprise that's not a great joke but you know those are cody's words word for word there he's taking golden <laughs> there you go mason he is picking golden as well jr4 gonna get it done like he always does and their defense will hold the fountain fort carson offense to under 21 points Ooh, that's an interesting prediction we'll see about that honestly i'm more worried about this fountain fort carson offense keeping up than the defense i think the defense will win its thing but if possible this defense might need to score to win this game because i just don't think this offense is as explosive as golden's they have a running back in desmond oliver don't get it twisted they have some skill players but i doubt their quarterback is what i'm gonna go with right now so we're all picking golden but none of us i don't think will be surprised if fountain for carson wins this one um as the saying goes defense does win championships but Realistically, you need an offense to at least uh, get on the board and help win those championships uh, while the defense does the heavy lifting. So, uh, you know, there you go. Moving on, though, we have Pueblo West versus Vista Peak. 
winner of this game plays Palmer Ridge. And you know, Pueblo West, man, they took care of business 52 to 0. Um, four different players combined for six rushing touchdowns and an absolute blowout dub. Um, defense also played well, forced three interceptions, had three sacks this game. And so this is not, this was not a close game, unfortunately. But Pueblo West, they will be playing Palmer Ridge in the next round of the playoffs who had a bye. And this will be a rematch, actually. Earlier in this season, Palmer Ridge just beat down Pueblo West 41 to 14. Um, Derek Hester, their sophomore quarterback, their young quarterback, went 16 of 20 for 299 passing yards, four passing touchdowns that game. So I believe this game will be closer. I think this Pueblo West team, um, you know, they have a lot of <laughs> have a lot of highs and lows. You know, to say the least, despite obviously being a talented team, making this playoffs and having some big dubs throughout this season. But I'm going to pick Palmer Ridge. I think Palmer Ridge is definitely a little bit more stable here. It's going to be a close one, but I'm going to pick Palmer Ridge to win this one. Can't sleep on West, though. Hester, he needs to play well for this to happen. He's had some bad games this season where he disappeared, and so that can't happen. If it does happen, this will be a closer game than it needs to be. And, you know, when it's a toss-up game, you never know. Maybe Pueblo West comes out with the upset. But for now, I'm going to go ahead and rock with Palmer Ridge as my pick to win this playoff game. And you know what? Mason Austin, he's picking Palmer Ridge to win as well. Here's what he had to say about that. He said, Monument Moving Company, in all caps, by the way, will get it done. So there you go. He has belief in the Monument Moving Company uh, and obviously this Palmer Ridge team. And Cody, he's going to make it Theo picking Palmer Ridge. He says, kudos to Pueblo West for proving me wrong with a strong defensive effort. But Palmer Ridge should beat West for the second time this season with their starters playing the whole game. So there you go. Palmer Ridge over Pueblo West. Moving on, though, we have Fruit of Monument versus Bryden. This is another game we didn't think was going to be close. Fruit of Monument dominates and wins 63-26, to as expected. Uh, Fruit of Monument actually had six different players score a rushing touchdown for a total of eight rushing touchdowns this game, which is wild. Uh, and so, fortunately, they get to pull Erie in the next round of the playoffs who had the bye this last week. And look, you know, Erie has had one of the most dominant seasons um, compared to recent years and has buzzsawed, like, absolutely blasted multiple playoff teams, including Bear Creek, Longmont, Skyline, Broomfield, and Windsor. That's five playoff teams they blew out. And sadly, Fruita Monument will need to play more than a perfect game to win this playoff game against a very stacked team um starting with blake barnett their sophomore quarterback we did a breakdown on him last year he absolutely balled out this year and so this food monument defense they need to stop him straight up they need to stop blake barnett on defense in order to even have a chance at winning this one but with that being said i'm just gonna go ahead and pick erie to win this playoff game here 
I think Erie, they've been dominant um, throughout this season. I don't think this is the team that will upset them. Um, but if it is, I'd be open to it. And this is a very young Fruita Monument team as well. So you have to keep that in mind. But I think Erie, you know, unfortunately goes ahead and buzzsaws this Fruita Monument squad to move on to the next round of the playoffs. And Cody Stauffer will have to agree. He actually specifically said Erie's physical defense and athletic offense will be more than what Fruta saw from Bryden. Erie moves on. So pretty easy there. And then Mason Austin, he says that he is going to go ahead and pick Erie to win. Straight up, he just wrote out, Fruta can't hang with this squad. So there you go. No disrespect intended. It's not personal. It's football. There you go. Erie should be beating Fruta Monument in this round of the playoffs. Let's keep this thing rolling though. Um, this next playoff game I'm going to talk about is Longmont versus Broomfield. This is one of the best matchups in all of Colorado football this last weekend. And it lived up to the hype. The winner of this game gets to play Dakota Ridge. So there you go. But Longmont goes ahead and edges this one out, beating Broomfield 25 to 22 Keegan Patterson he played an excellent game once again going 24 of 38 for 316 passing yards one passing touchdowns no picks or turnovers he also had 31 carries for damn 31 carries for 140 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns and honestly this was kind of a close one uh, it was 14-12 going into halftime with Broomfield leading and then Kale Dirksen and Keegan Patterson each had a rushing touchdown for Longmont, making it 25-14 to 14 with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. But not to go down so soon, Cole Crew he did throw a 27-yard touchdown pass with four minutes left in the game, so basically a minute later, and got the two-point conversion, making it a three-point game, 25-22, to 22, Longmont with the lead. And actually, Longmont would turn over the ball on downs, that is, with one minute left, but Broomfield unfortunately could not put together a scoring drive, and their season will end there as Longmont holds on and wins this playoff game to go ahead and face off with Dakota Ridge in the next round of this playoffs. So there you go. Let's go ahead and predict this thing. Dakota Ridge versus Longmont. Uh, Dakota Ridge obviously had a bye last week, and you know what? I'm just going to throw this out there. Longmont early in this year had a very close game against Chatfield uh, the same Chatfield team that pushed this Dakota Ridge team a couple weeks ago and almost beat them but in my opinion Keegan Patterson will need to play a four plus so over four touchdown game in order to win this one uh, obviously with no turnovers and so, in my opinion, Dakota Ridge, they just have a more complete team. They have guys at every level. They don't have to rely on their passing game as hard. I think they go ahead and take this one. Mason Austin, he agrees. He is picking Dakota Ridge to take this one as well. He says, going to be a close game, but I think DR has more athletes. And so, at the end of the day, he is picking Dakota Ridge to beat Longmont. And Cody Stoffer, he's making a 3-0, picking Dakota Ridge as well. He says Dakota Ridge braces for another red-hot offense and outlasts them as they have all season. As in Dakota Ridge will outlast them as they have plenty of red-hot offenses this season. So we have Dakota Ridge beating Longmont in this close and probably super exciting playoff game. 
So there you go. Uh, moving on, though, we have Ponderosa versus Aurora Central. We all picked Aurora Central to win this game. So a lot of credit to Ponderosa for beating Aurora Central 29-14. to And it was the freshman in this game who won this one. Freshman quarterback Andrew Heidel, um, believe it's Heidel, went 13-20 of for 125 passing yards and three passing touchdowns. But it was his fellow freshman receiver Max Mervin who brought in 10 receptions for 110 receiving yards and one touchdown in this big playoff win. 10 receptions I think might be the highest amount of receptions we've seen in a playoff game this year by a receiver. I could be wrong though. I know Jack Pierce had a good game for Cherokee Trail. But Max Mervin um, automatically in the talks for player of the week there and so Ponderosa takes care of Aurora Central and so that means they will be facing off with Chatfield who had a first round bye last week so let's talk about it man uh, I'm gonna actually have Cody and Mason talk about it uh via me so Cody has picked Chatfield to win this playoff game versus Ponderosa he says it's time to put up or shut up for this Chatfield team that is dying to see Dakota Ridge again that has nothing to do with Ponderosa, uh, but it has something to do with Chatfield, and so he's picking them to go ahead and beat Ponderosa and move on to the next round. Mason is going to actually pick Ponderosa. He says, I think their front seven can stop Chatfield's running game, and Chat won't be able to pass well enough. So there you go. There it is split 1-1. And so um, with me, I have the tiebreaker here. I'm just going to say this. As great as it was for the Ponderosa freshmen to win their first playoff game, um, you know, so shout out to Heidel and Mervin. I think Chatfield is just more, they're just battle tested and they should be healthy coming off a week of rest. Um, also, Chatfield has just a lot more experience here. And so I think they go ahead and take this one from Ponderosa. Don't get it twisted. I would absolutely love to see these freshmen upset Chatfield. Are you kidding me? That would be so good to see these freshmen keep it going. But I think I'm going to have to go with my gut and pick Chatfield. They have a lot more playmakers, I would say, and they are a lot more experienced than Ponderosa right here. So I'm picking Chatfield over Ponderosa, making it 2-1 um, Chatfield at this point. The next playoff game I'm going to talk about here is Bear Creek versus Windsor. Bear Creek takes care of business. 24-7. Ryan Segovia had 15 carries for 63 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. Um, fellow senior running back Caleb Sauceda had 16 carries for 75 rushing yards and one touchdown. As they grind up this Windsor defense on the way to a playoff victory um Caleb Sauceda would actually have the last rushing touchdown with 10 minutes left in the fourth to basically put this one away 24 to 7 I think I was the only one who picked Windsor last week maybe Mason did as well but kudos to Bear Creek for proving me wrong um they get to play Pine Creek in the next round who was uh on a bye this last week so there you go so Pine Creek the powerhouse is back, in case you didn't know. Um, and they should win this game by playing tough defense, controlling the clock, a lot like how Windsor does it. So they have a very, I would say, similar philosophy. Uh, but they got a special quarterback and senior quarterback, Jojo Roy. They have more defensive players. They have a much more complicated offense. And, you know, I think... 
personally, Jojo Roy can be a championship-winning quarterback. Uh, don't have them going to state and winning it. Wouldn't be surprised if they did, though. But this Pine Creek team, no doubt, is a contender. And so I'm picking them to beat Bear Creek here pretty easily. Cody Stauffer is also going with Pine Creek. He says, Pine Creek's competition this year has been amongst the best in the state. And they still came out super solid behind an athletic defense and explosive offense. Jojo Roy wins his first playoff game of the 2021 season after a week of rest. So there you go. And then Mason, he goes ahead and picks Pine Creek as well. All he says is, I think PC has a better overall squad. So there you go. 3-0. Pine Creek moving on to the next round of the playoffs, at least according to our predictions. We're, you know, more than happy to be proven wrong at any time. Like I said, it's not personal, it is football. This next game that I'm going to talk about here is Vista Ridge versus Skyline. I actually attended this game, but it was a blowout. Vista Ridge won this game 43-14 when I left in the third quarter, which was like eight, eight or seven minutes left in the third. Um, Vista Ridge had a 35-point lead, so it just wasn't close. Uh, Braden Dorman, you know, he gets his first career playoff win in a sensational performance. He won 17-22 of 22 for 270 passing yards and four passing touchdowns. When I was there, he found Keyshawn Bridges, B.B. Hills, and Keyshawn Dooley for receiving touchdowns. This offense looks explosive. Um, and, you know, Braden Dorman, he made really good plays, like really good throws here and there. Uh, but I do have to give credit to this receiving core, man. They were, I want to say there are at least two or three screen plays where Dorman, he just threw it to the flats. And then his receivers created and scored like a 30-yard touchdown or something like that after the catch. Um, that they got at the f in the flats. And so, you know, this receiving core looks really good. Braden Dorman obviously looked really good playing a very, very clean game as Vista Ridge dominates uh, in a 43-14 win at home. They will actually be playing Loveland, who had the bye last week and is arguably one of the best defense defenses in the state of Colorado. And so, let me go ahead and predict this. Let me get this started here. Um, you know, Loveland has blown out some playoff teams with good quarterbacks such as Broomfield and Longmont. The difference is that Vista Ridge has a significantly better receiving core than either of those teams. But, you know what, I think I'm going to go with the safe pick and pick the defending champs of Loveland to win this one. Uh, Dorman will need to play a clean game once again, but he'll also have to have probably a you know, similar four-touchdown no-turnover game in order to beat Loveland, who does have one of the best linebackers in the state, in my opinion the best, in Ian Loomis. Be on the lookout for that top five inside linebackers, uh, senior inside linebackers list episode coming out this Friday. So there you go. But I think I'm going to go ahead and pick Loveland to win this one. I think it will probably be one of the closer games, at least closer on paper than it looks, um, you know, on this in the stat sheet. So there you go. I'm going to go ahead and pick Loveland to win this one. Mason will pick Vista Ridge to win this game, though. He says as long as they slow down Loveland's quarterback, they will win it, but it's going to be a tight dub. It will be close, is what he said. So, there you go. And then Cody is going to pick Loveland to make it 2-1 Loveland. He says Vista Ridge has been clubbing worse teams this season and struggling against better teams 
Loveland should continue that pattern on its quest to repeat. There you go. Uh, you know, we have our reasons for picking Loveland. And, you know, Mason has his reasons for picking Vista Ridge. I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if either team wins. And so I'm just going to leave it at that right now. That'll be a pretty close matchup um, this weekend. But that'll wrap up 4A. Let's go ahead and hop into 5A ball. We're rolling here. Okay, so 5A ball. Uh, let's go ahead and start with Fort Collins versus Chaparral. Fort Collins actually gets the upset dub, winning 34-20. to um, Despite senior quarterback for uh, Chaparral, Kylan Wilson, he went 14-23 of for 188 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, carrying the ball 20 times for 117 uh, rushing yards, but Chaparral still lost. Um, and thanks to Fort Collins senior receiver athlete uh, Dorian McGarity. He had four receptions for 181 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. Also had two carries for 23 yards. Um, I think it's worth noting here that A. Loundon Harger, uh, at least that's what it says on Max Preps, had a 17-yard passing touchdown to Blake Smotherman on a fake kick. At least I'm going to assume it was a fake kick that gave Fort Collins the lead in this game. He would then, um, the guy who threw the ball, would then make a 37-yard field goal to put them up 17-6 right before halftime. And you know, Fort Collins, they would not look back and hold at least a two-score lead for the rest of this game. Chaparral's offense, they may have played a clean game, but defensively, this Fort Collins uh, team was doing a little bit too much. And offensively, they were definitely too much for the Chaparral defense and just controlled the game, not giving Chaparral a lot of time to work with in general. So there you go. Fort Collins moves on, but they will be playing Valor Christian this next round of the playoffs. So, you know, congrats to Fort Collins for getting their upset, but Valor, they're well-rested and have had only one close game this season against Columbine, who they still beat 35-21. to uh, You know, Fort Collins, they had a great upset win, but unfortunately, I think their playoff run ends here as Valor should easily win this playoff game. I'd be surprised if Fort Collins upsets Valor Christian. Um, Mason, he is going to go ahead and pick Valor. He says better squad overall and have a better overall team. So, you know, pretty sweet and simple there. And Cody picking Valor. He says Valor Christian hasn't been challenged this year and saw Chuck, saw Chuck off of a bye week and fully rested a scary Valor to advance. So, there you go. Moving on, Columbine versus Far Northeast Warriors. Um, Columbine takes care of business as expected. We all predicted this one. 56-0. Now, here's what we didn't predict. This was a game where Columbine obviously did not care about who they played, um, at least this first round, because they did not run the ball. They actually won because senior quarterback Brock Zantel went 4, or not 4 of 7, 5 of 7 for 63 passing yards, 4 passing touchdowns, and 31 rushing yards. So they won because of the passing game for the most part here. Uh, Seth Cromwell and Trusty only had 8 carries each, with Cromwell getting 45 yards, Trusty getting 51 yards. Uh, Cromwell did catch a 19-yard touchdown, though, so there you go. And then Wesley Jones had uh, two of the three interceptions that Columbine had, as Columbine takes care of business um, because of their passing game over far northeast. So there you go there. 
Now this next matchup here, uh, Columbine versus Arvada West. We're gonna predict this one. Um, Mason Austin will actually be at this game. It is Thursday at 6 p.m. Um, Mason actually won't be able to make it to a Friday game, so that's why he'll be at this one. But he will be at the game regardless. Uh, look, I'm just gonna say this because I think originally on my bracket I had Arvada West moving forward. Um, the bracket I made at the beginning of the season. And, you know, here's the thing. Ethan Cook, I think he's probably going to be out for this game. And that's a great shame considering he's one of the best young quarterbacks in the state as a junior. And, you know, Columbine, they're just a very physical team with a lot of talent. You know, they beat up teams. May not have the most complicated offense, but they beat up teams. You already know that. But without Cook, I think our Vada West may be asking too much out of freshman quarterback Vincent Virgil or not enough. Uh, maybe he does. They don't ask enough and they lose it that way. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and pick Columbine here. I think if Ethan Cook was there, um, you know, maybe I would pick. I, I would. Well, I already know. I would pick Arvada West to be Columbine if Ethan Cook was there. Or if I've seen Vincent Virgil play more than like, you know, a couple snaps in the last game of the season, then yeah, I would be comfortable picking uh arvado west but i think i'm just gonna have to go with columbine i think that is the obvious choice here mason will pick columbine he says i think um he says i think columbine even with the simplest offense has more athletes than arvado west i i wouldn't necessarily say more but i think yes they are a more physical team there cody he is going with columbine he says I don't know what to expect from the Savannah West team without their starting quarterback, but I know what to expect from Columbine with or without their best running back. And with Cromwell very well rested and the other backs showing great success against the Pomona defense um, the last week of the regular season, I think Columbine goes ahead and takes this rematch. So there you go. Columbine over Arvada West. So there you go. Um, but let's go ahead and keep this thing going, though. And so let's talk about Mullen versus Douglas County. I think all of us picked Douglas County, and all of us were very wrong. We'll admit that right now. We were very wrong. Mullen blew out Douglas County 34-7 to uh, in an upset. <laughs> and you know what? I gotta give them credit. They had a very good defensive performance, led by senior Connor Warren, who had two sacks, while Juan uh, Bertot, I want to say, and Ishmael A. Saves Jr., I at least I want to say that, um, Ishmael having 10 total tackles as well, each had an interception. Also throwing this out there, Jackson Howe for Mullen had 12 total tackles and then Mullen senior running back Kyle Krebs he had a solid game had 14 carries for 69 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns as Mullen take down Douglas County and end their season right there and set up a showdown between Grandview and Mullen in the next round of the playoffs so let's talk about it man let's talk about that matchup there so Mullen has potential as shown by their early season 25-21 to 21 win over Legend, who is one of the top seeds in the playoffs, and their close loss against Regis Jesuit, where they only lost 35-21. to 21. Now, I acknowledge that they may be able to pull out this game, but they need to have outstanding performances, as in, you know, multiple, from the offense to do this. So, there you go. On the other hand, Grandview is a stacked and well-rested team, 
after blowing out an Arapahoe team um, in the last game of the regular season and taking the league, their confidence has to be at an all-time high. So this Grandview team's playoff run is just beginning, and I think they go ahead and get the dub here over Mullen to move on to the next round of the playoffs. Cody will go ahead and rock with Grandview as well. He says Grandview has to be feeling great after a week off and a league win against an A-Rap defense that I think was a good look for how to attack this Mullen defense. Grandview wins, period. Mason, he says Grandview um, is going to win. And then he also says here, one of the best teams in the league, and I don't think Mullen can compete. He also wants me to say this for him. By the way, this is in all caps, but he said the deuce deuce moose in reference to uh, Musa Al-Safar the running back for <laughs> that Grandview team who had a nice little game for himself against Arapaho one of the other good athletes over there so we're all picking Grandview to go ahead and beat Mullen uh, just like how we all picked Douglas County to beat Mullen last week but let's go ahead and move on here okay so we have Cherokee Trail versus Foster Ridge I think I was the only one who picked Fossil Ridge, and it looks closer than it does, um, you know, on the stat sheet, but it wasn't that close of a game. Mason was at this game, actually, but Cherokee Trail beats Fossil Ridge 41-29. to um, A player of the week candidate here, two of them actually for Cherokee Trail, Logan Brook, the senior quarterback, he won 28-40 for 410 passing yards, six passing touchdowns. He also had four carries for 51 rushing yards. But a lot of those receptions, a lot of those passes went to senior wide receiver Jack Pierce, also in the running for player of the week, who had 223 receiving yards for five receiving touchdowns in this game it was 26 to 7 with five minutes left in the third quarter as cherokee trail goes ahead and takes care of business versus fossil ridge to set up a cherokee trail versus ralston valley matchup in the next round now before i talk about predictions just want to throw this out there mason who was at this game did say that the tackle travis gray for cherokee trail looked very good in a signature win, in a, in a signature game for Travis Gray, who absolutely shut down Fossil Ridge's Nathan Hallmark. I don't think he allowed a sack that game, um, which is the first time Hallmark has went without getting a sack in a game so far this season, as Fossil Ridge's season, unfortunately, ends right here. But let's go ahead and talk about Cherokee Trail versus Ralston valley and you know what i'm actually gonna start with mason's prediction here and so mason is gonna go ahead and predict cherokee trail is gonna beat ralston valley he's picking cherokee trail and so he says they have a better passing attack and i don't think this ralston valley team can keep up period nothing else there he just doesn't think they could keep up so there you go cody is gonna go ahead and pick ralston valley in this game he says i was impressed with cherokee trails playoff win but i'm not impressed with the regular season record against winning teams rv period i am gonna go ahead and break this tie and you know what i'm gonna go ahead and pick cherokee trail and here's why Ralston Valley losing to Arvada West without their starting quarterback in the last game of the season is a big red flag for me. I'm going to go ahead 
and I'm picking Cherokee Trail to win this one. Um, first off, Cherokee Trail, if they want to have a very good chance of winning this one, they need to get up fast on the scoreboard. And if they do, then I think Ralston Valley is done. This isn't an offense built for coming back. This is an offense that is really only built for maintaining the lead. And so, honestly, I liked Logan Brook. I liked Jack Pierce and their performance versus Foster Ridge. I think they could put up some numbers versus Ralston Valley and put that pressure on the Ralston Valley offense to score quickly with their running game basically so uh you know good luck with that but i'm gonna go ahead and pick cherokee trail to beat ralston valley and upset them moving on to the next round of the playoffs speaking of moving on in the playoffs that's what we're gonna do here and that's what i'm gonna do here talking about mountain vista versus legacy mountain vista uh, coming out with a 42 to 17 dub here we all picked mountain vista to win this game but i don't think I don't think this type of dominance is what we were expecting because freshman quarterback, and I'm going to apologize right here, right now, because I know I'm going to say it wrong, but I'm going to attempt it. If I get it wrong, please feel free to connect to correct me, man, uh, because I think he's a heck of a player. But freshman quarterback Austin Modrzewski, he went 24 of 28 for 317 passing yards, six passing touchdowns, one interception, finding five different receivers for receiving touchdowns in this game this he's a freshman so this was his first game of the season he has been starting the last three games as the full-time starter and has put up numbers you know he's done his thing uh, legacy on the other hand they had four different players attempt to pass in their playoff game which is never a good thing when you have that many players uh, trying to attempt to pass figuring out you know who could play quarterback for you but you know Braylon Tate he was the lone bright spot on this team. 127 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, unfortunately, in this blowout loss. And so Mountain Vista, with their young team, this freshman-led team, moves on to face a very tough Cherry Creek squad in the next round. I'll get the prediction started here. I'm picking Cherry Creek to win. They should win this game. I think they're more talented, and it's experienced talent. Um, at that in this game. I think it'll be really interesting to see how these freshmen on Mountain Vista's team fares against this talented defense. But honestly, you know, Mountain Vista, they, I know they got a quarterback, you know. Uh, I know they have a quarterback in Austin Madrazus. By the way, he is an EPO player. Shout out to them boys up in Superior, you know. Um, another EPO player being Beckham Kritza for Fairview. By the way, both freshmen. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. But shout out to EPO. Uh, but honestly, I think this quarterback here, Austin Modrzewski, he is a talented one, but he's young. He's really only started like, well, okay, he started other games before, but he's really only started and played three or four full games, including this playoff game here. In my opinion, I think Mountain Vista screwed up here by switching him in and out. I know against Arapahoe, you know, he was splitting snaps there. And they still got the dub, but he was splitting snaps there. Uh, so, you know, if I'm Cherry Creek, I'd probably check out that game and see, okay, how did, you know, Mountain Vista beat this great Arapahoe defense? Because uh, you don't want that to happen to you, first off. But, you know, I think Cherry Creek should be able to get it done. You know, they have experienced players. I trust the players 
playoff experience of a Blake Purchase, of a Kayla Perea, of um, you know a Tyler Tolbert, of uh, Hank Zelinkas, all these guys over here. I think they have enough talent to go ahead and shut down this Mountain Vista offense. But I wouldn't underestimate this freshman quarterback just yet. I would I would play him like you would any other quarterback and try to confuse the heck out of him and really get to him this game. So there you go. But I think Cherry Creek should probably win this one easily against Mountain Vista. Cody agrees. You know, Cody is picking Cherry Creek. He says uh, Vista's upset of a higher seed only last one week. Creek wins. Boom. There you go. And then Mason, he's picking Cherry Creek as well. He says, I don't think I need to say a reason. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next playoff matchup here. And that is Pomona versus Castleview. I'm actually going to go ahead and throw it over to Cody, who was at the game. Well, me, Cody, and Mason were all at the game. But he's going to go ahead and talk about that Pomona versus Castleview game. And then we'll go ahead and get into predictions uh, for the following playoff game uh, after that. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the Playmaker's Corner. I am one of your co-hosts on this episode. Well, only for this segment. Cody Stoffer. you might have heard my picks, or you will hear my picks later on this episode from Coach V. But for now, I am going to discuss the first-round game between Pomona High School and Castleview High School. This took place at NAAC. And so let's jump into it here. Pomona started off with the ball. And just some notes on this opening drive had sophomore running back Marcus Talbert run for a first down. I also noted here that number 79, Ian Fry, who had a really good game. He's a junior tackle on this Pomona line and is probably going to try and fill the footsteps of Aaron Karras, who is a three-star offensive tackle committed to Nevada. He had himself a pretty good game here against his Castleview defense and started off early here with a whole opening block on number 45 for Castleview. And then this drive kind of stalled out after Chase Muller couldn't quite, or Chase Mueller couldn't quite catch a pitch. You know, I, I think that pitch was completely fine and he was just too busy looking upfield and he had to kind of fall on the ball. And so, you know, that makes it second and long here before Castleview ramps up the aggressiveness. It starts with junior defensive lineman Kevin Harvey getting a sack on the very next play. And then number 43 for Castleview, Joseph Thornton, who is a linebacker, a junior as well, made a great tackle for loss to force fourth and 21 here. So with Castleview getting the ball, Blake Haggerty opens up the drive with a nice five-yard catch. Or, no, that was on second down. He had a nice five-yard slant. And then the quarterback sneak on third, and I want to say it was like two or three, actually gets Castleview a first down here before, you know, this quarterback here for Castleview, Nate Schmidt, he had a really up-and-down game. I'd say where, you know, the, he had moments where he looked brilliant and put the ball in a place where only his receiver could make a play on it. And then he had other plays where he underthrew passes quite a bit, especially on these out routes here. So he underthrows an out route on the next play after getting a first down. And then, you know, a big hole is dug for this Castleview team after number 32 for Pomona. 
Greg Mace, I believe. He's a defensive back. He makes a play on Nate after Nate takes off out of the backfield and stops this Castleview drive, forcing Castleview to punt. And on this next drive, you know, Pomona, they kind of get stonewalled for a couple of plays. And then Dom Nichols, number 23, gets his first carry of the game. And his first carry is a first down run on third and seven. This would be a consistent tale throughout this game anytime number 23 got his hands on the ball for Pomona. More on that later in case you missed it. But he gets a, another run, and this one goes for six yards. And I'm not even sure how he got six yards on this. I thought this run was going to be stuffed at the line of scrimmage or maybe a yard past. But Dom wiggles and squirms his way for six yards. So on the next play, it was, I don't know, this Pomona quarterback definitely threw a questionable pass here. And Castleview left the ball on the field. You know, Peyton Walker, he's a linebacker for Castleview. He dropped a very easy interception here. And immediately following that play, Castleview commits a face mask penalty that gives Pomona a first down. And, you know, it's starting to look like Pomona could string together a drive here with two consecutive first downs in a row. Castleview is starting to play a little undisciplined here. Maybe they're not really focused. This opens up an opportunity for Pomona, you think. However, no. Uh, the... Castleview line turns right around on the heels of Dylan March and Herschel Craig III making a big tackle for loss in the backfield. And, you know, this, this sets up Pomona for a very long kind of conversion to try and attempt. And they end up making it third and short. And they try and kick a field goal here that is actually blocked by number one here for Castleview, Herschel Craig III. He is one of our premier edge rushers in the state and a candidate for our top five edge rushers list but they managed to block the field goal here and keep it 0-0 so Castleview feeling themselves and feeling pretty excited they capitalize off of this momentum shift of blocking this field goal and complete an 80 yard touchdown pass from Nate Schmidt to number 23 junior Ace Malone he just beats the cornerback on this play. It's a really simple kind of rounded post route that gets the job done and puts Castleview up 7-0 to zero here in this first quarter. So, you know, that's, that's exciting there for Castleview to really explode on that play. And, you know, it was the biggest play of the entire game, actually, uh, regardless of final score. So, or at least length of yards wise. Now, immediately following this, Castleview smells blood in the water and they capitalize with a recovered onside kick immediately following this long touchdown play. It was actually recovered by the kicker. It was mainly Pomona's undisciplined reaction where they all turned immediately and kind of just left the onside kick free to be recovered. They're appeared to be some kind of controversy in the stands on if the kicker touched it or not before recovering it. I didn't see anything that would imply that he did, but I didn't have instant replay either. So anyways, Castleview now recovering an onside kick. They immediately get a first down when Nate Schmidt finds number one, who also plays tight end. 
Herschel Craig getting a first down on the first play of the drive. You think that, wow, Castleview could really score here and knock Pomona in the gut pretty good and grabbing a 14-0 lead after being held scoreless for a couple of drives. This could be absolutely massive. Castleview unfortunately stalls out. Well, unfortunate for Castleview, fortunately for Pomona, their defense ups their game, getting a massive sack on the next play, forcing second and 22. And then on the play following that, once again, number 32 for Pomona brings down the quarterback on a quarterback draw. And on the last play, you know, it's just an incomplete pass. Nate Schmidt just isn't seeing his receivers correctly. I don't think he's serving the field as well as he can, or he's not, he's not on the same page as his receivers, I should say. So that is something that he's going to have to work on heading into this next year is timing and just rhythm really and it's something that he lacked in both this Pomona game for a lot of the game and something that he also lacked in the Douglas County game that we also went and saw but anyways Pomona you know they they get a stop here but then there's an un, the, on the punt there's a roughing the kicker call on Pomona and an unnecessary roughness call on Castleview for their tackle. I disagree highly with the unnecessary roughness, honestly. I, I just, I don't know how to feel about that. I don't think it was an unnecessary roughness call. You could also call into question the roughing the kicker, but I think that this probably should have been looked at and more yards for Castleview. But you know, this was the first of many interesting calls from this refing crew on this night. Anyways, you know, number 28 for Pomona here on the return. That is Caleb Payne Pinto, I want to say is his name. He's a sophomore. He gets a great seal block on the punt return to set Dom Nichols up for a 40-ish yard return. Dom Nichols, anytime he touched the ball, he was electrifying this night. And like I said, it's a thing that's going to continue for this Pomona team and one that bodes out well for them in the end. But, you know, and then Pomona comes out in the Wildcat. They run two Wildcat plays in a row with thir number 13, who is, I think it's Bryson Ayton. He's a wide receiver slash linebacker for this team. He's a senior. He comes out in Wildcat and, you know, he, he gets a couple of yards and, then they pitch it to Dom Nichols, who gets an eight-yard run, gets a first down. Number one here, Herschel Craig narrowly misses a batted pass for, for this Pomona team that ends up getting completed. And then number eight for Castleview here, who is Phoenix Hammontree. He is a senior. He makes a great open field tackle on the wide open cop pass for Pomona that stops what could have been a very large gain for, you know, Dom Nichols on a screen. Then they go back to Chase Muller. He runs for a first down. Then number 43, I believe that's the fullback here for Pomona. He gets called for holding that sets up second and 22 with 14.7 seconds left on the clock. But, you know, Pomona, they string together some plays. Isaiah Alvarez, he catches a pass and gets out of bounds. 
And once again, number 79, Ian Fry had wonderful protection on this play. I got to see him for the majority of the game because, well, I won't say the majority, but for a good half of the game with him playing right tackle and it being a little bit easier from our seats to see the right side of the field going away from us based off of where we were sitting. But, you know, he had great protection. And then, you know, there's kind of, there's a rollout here by Noah Epley. He puts the ball in a really good place for this receiver to make a play. And I'm pretty sure it was a touchdown. However, I'm pretty glad that they did not call this reception a touchdown. Not because it wasn't a great catch, but because there was definitely a push off. This was a missed offensive pass interference call. This is one where, you know, if I'm back in the film room with my receivers, I'm like, hey, you got lucky this didn't get called because this is a very blatant push off in the end zone for what should have been a touchdown catch. But regardless, you know, it didn't get called for a touchdown, which bounced out in the end. And then on the last play of this half, well, you know, essentially the last play of this half, number 24, Ben Knox. He's a great athlete here for this Castleview team. He actually forces an interception on number eight, Noah Epley, to take us into half with Castleview leading well, seven to zero. <laughs> and so that brings us into halftime, 7-0 Castleview. And Castleview gets the ball to start the second half. This is, you know, another one of those opportunities, kind of like the onside kick where Castleview's got to be kicking themselves in the butt, not capitalizing off of trying to make this a two-score game. I mean, shoot, if they walk away with even three points on that onside kick drive, you could be pretty happy with that. Going into half 10 to nothing and then scoring here, making it a 17-0 ball game. That is a very hard margin for a predominantly running team to overcome. But as we could see, this offense was plagued with a couple of inept plays here. But, you know, initially they actually get a first down here. To, to start the drive, but then, you know, number 54 for this team, that is Cohen Gave. He gets injured for this offensive line, and I think that is, you know, his absence for a little bit has a bit of an impact, but, you know, there's, they string together a couple of good plays here, Castleview does, to make it fourth and one with nine minutes and 15 seconds left in the third quarter. They run a QB sneak, and once again, get the first down, tried and proven. All right, so you just got a first down on a fourth down play. What do you do? Well, number 12 throws you right out of the game by throwing a horribly underthrown pass that number three, Isaiah Alvarez, capitalizes on. He intercepts it and gets a pretty decent return. And this was kind of the turning point in the entire game, in my opinion. I, I know that, you know, there's not too much else that happens in this game but man this ugh, th this was the this was the turning point in the game i'm not afraid to say that because pomona scores on this next drive you know they they get some good help here from marcus talbert he gets a pretty good run and then dom nichols strings together another first down and forces two to three missed tackles on this wild run that gets pomona all the way onto the four yard line and, you know, they punch it in, punch it in, well, punch it, punch it, punch it in with Noah Epley finally being the one to find Pater for this Pomona team, making it six to seven after their PAT was missed or blocked. This is a reoccurring theme in this Pomona season. They need to figure something out on special teams heading into the second round. 
Regis is a team that you can't afford to lose those single points to. So you either got to go for two every time or just stop kicking field goals altogether because in both the games that I've seen so far this season, the Columbine game as well as this Castleview game, there's a lot left to be desired from these teams. But anyways, it's 6-7 to seven with 5.51 left in the third quarter. This game is far from over. Can Castleview get their stuff together and make a play? And for a minute, it seems like it, where they get two consecutive runs for first downs and they're mobbing, the clock is ticking down. Hopefully they can continue this process all the way across the field. But that is until a big momentum killing penalty happens here and forces first and 26. But, you know, they, they try and overcome this. Nate Schmidt finds number 32 for Castleview. That is Brody Ashworth. He's somebody that, you know, we considered for our top five linebackers list. Oop, spoiler alert. But anyways, he's he's definitely, you know, somebody that was in the conversation. And he, he does a little bit on offense as well. But he just, you know, he gains a couple of yards to make it second and ten. But then Castleview, they get a little too antsy here. Moments... The lights are shining brighter here on this Friday night and or this Thursday night, I should say, and they get a false start forcing second and 15. And this is right before, you know, Nate Schmidt puts it, you know, he had a really up and down night because when he puts the ball where it needs to go, it's literally a perfect pass. And he did exactly that for Blake Haggerty here, putting where only he can get it. But then on third and eight, they... You know, this, this is like a seven-yard out route. On third and eight, they try a double pass here, and Blake Haggerty overthrows his receiver. This is a play that I definitely think could have resulted in a touchdown. I think that they had the Pomona defense fooled, but Blake Haggerty just can't quite put it there. He's not a quarterback, to be fair, and maybe there is a potential pass interference call here that goes uncalled, but, I mean... You got to make the plays when when they're provided to you. You got to put the ball where it needs to go. So that that's the story of that drive. They punt, and this punt starts off very exciting because Dom bobbled the return, you know, and it looked like a muff. He's starting all the way at the eight now, but man, he weaves, ducks, dives, and dips all the way to the thirty-seven yard line and turns nothing into something. Dom Nichols is the definition of diamond in the rough, you know turning coal into diamonds on broken plays that is where he excels the most and can create a backyard football kind of feel on any given play and you know following his you know his good return you know maybe he's a little tired they put chase mueller in and they run this you know running back by committee offense pretty well as he rips off a run to the castleview 43 yard line and, you know, it could have even been a touchdown if number three here, Mason made sure that I made note of this. That is Isaiah Alvarez. He does not hold his block against his cornerback. And that is ultimately the guy who makes the play on Chase Mueller. Otherwise, this could have been a 63-yard touchdown run from Chase Mueller. But, you know, that doesn't happen. And on the next play, there's almost, ooh, almost an interception. I just want to shout out the awesome anticipation of number 15 here beto i believe it's ledizma but anyways 
Beto here. I'm pretty sure he's shown us some support on social media here, and he's definitely a name to keep an eye on as a senior defensive back. He jumps this bubble screen and is, oh man, he almost gets this interception. Like the timing of the play had Mason, Simon, and I all standing up on our feet. It was a wild defensive play here and one that, you know, Castleview definitely could have used on, on this, you know, on this drive. But, you know, they don't quite get it, but Pomona helps them out by getting a block in the back, making it third and 12. Then there's a really bad screenplay, a couple more penalties before Pomona ultimately has to punt the ball. And that takes us into the fourth quarter here. Castleview having the ball still up seven to six. You get a punishing run by number 48, Joe Orsetta here. He's a junior running back over there at Castleview where he carries tacklers all the way to the first down. But then, you know, they they stall themselves. You know, I think Blake Haggerty here, th there's some debate that there is defensive pass interference. But Blake Haggerty, you're a three-star athlete. Who's this cornerback lined up against you? And I'm just going to say shout out to, you know, Isaiah Alvarez for making a play here and having sticky coverage. But this is a matchup that Blake Haggerty is supposed to win. This is a matchup that the coaches like. They love this one-on-one -on -one situation. And Blake Haggerty just isn't physical enough or doesn't run a good enough route to get Isaiah Alvarez off of him. And this ends in what appears to be an overthrow, but I think it's just a lack of a play made by Blake here. And so that takes us to third and six. And Nate Schmidt tries throwing another interception here. This time, number 20 for Pomona is the one who drops a really easy interception. That's TJ Lindsay. I know he's a linebacker, but you got to make that play. And this could have ended the game significantly sooner. It probably could have been a pick six, but he just bats it down. So Pomona then gets the ball following Castleview's stalled drive with 928 left in the game. And what do you know? Chase Mueller runs for a first down before the Castleview defense starts to, you know, turn up. They stuff the first run play. Then the quarterback muffs the snap on the next play. And number 45 for Castleview gets in the backfield. But then, you know, on third down, Noah Epley finds Dom Nichols, who kind of has to make an acrobatic catch here and does not get to make the catch because Blake Haggerty steps up and absolutely lays the wood on Dom here and forces a dropped pass. So now this drive only lasts two minutes. It's punted immediately back to Castleview, you know, and Blake Haggerty. I just want to note that he caught a very high punt. Like I lost track of the ball from the stands. So kudos to him for being able to reel that in and not let it hit the turf and get a really bad bounce. They needed a catch as soon as it, you know, was going to fall. And Blake Haggerty did exactly that. That is a problem with a lot of Colorado returners. They are too afraid to catch the dang ball. They think the higher it gets, the less likely you are to catch it. It just requires an extreme amount of focus. Shout out to Blake Haggerty for showing that focus under the lights with seven and a half left in this playoff game. Castleview, they try and get it going once again. They get a first down run from number 14. I believe that's Wes Becker. Yep, that's Wes Becker, who is a two-way player. But then... Number two, I should note that Dom Nichols makes a good rip at the football. It doesn't end in a fumble, but that's okay because on the very next play, number 21 
Fletcher Gleason. He's a junior for this Pomona team. He gets a great tackle for loss. And immediately following that, Michael Sierra also gets another tackle for loss to force third and 12 for this Castleview team. And, you know, th this is exactly where you want to be, arguably. And they target this deep pass here. And I think that there is an uncalled pass interference here on number nine on the defense. I think that he had his back turned to the ball and also gave a shove to the receiving target. This goes uncalled. I think that, you know, Castleview lost this game in more ways that can be attributed to this penalty. But it's definitely an uncalled penalty and something worth mentioning here before Pomona puts the nail in the coffin on this last drive with 525 left in the game. Number nine, Chase Mueller gets a big run for a first down three consecutive plays in a row. It's just first down, first down, first down. And number 78, Aaron Karras, he shows us why he is a three-star recruit with a massive pancake here in the playoffs against, you know, Castleview. But, you know, eventually Castleview, they start to buckle down. Coach V here was calling, all right, you know that you could probably stop this Pomona offense, let him get a couple of first downs, run some time off the clock. And so initially I was like, okay, well, they're definitely allowing first downs, but they cannot allow another first down here. Castleview, they start to buckle down. They force two short runs to make it third and five from, you know, a, I want to say it was somewhere around the 40-ish yard line. And Castleview, you know, they're, they're right where they want to be because Pomona, you can't kick field goals from here. It's third and five. It's arguably fourth down territory. But if Castleview gets a stop here, then, you know, they have about three minutes to run out the clock. Because it's still 7-6 to six Castleview at this point. But that all changes when number 23, Don Nichols, catches a pitch and goes across the field and cuts back the other direction for a long touchdown run. This was one of the most exhilarating plays. You're going to have to find us. I, I believe on our Twitter, I posted a video of it. This was an insane play. But Dom Nichols, thank goodness he was able to play this season for Pomona. Otherwise, Pomona probably doesn't win this football game with all the big splash plays he made, but including the game-winning touchdown to put Pomona up 12-7, and that was before the Wildcat quarterback, number 13 for Pomona, Stephen Gartman, finds the end zone on a two-point conversion to make it 14-7 with two minutes and 40 seconds left on the drive. And so, with 2.40 left, what is Nate Schmidt going to do? <sighs> Unfortunately, he does not give the comeback story that everybody wants. He throws a very low pass on the first play that Dom Nichols blows up and, you know, it ends up incomplete. Then he throws to Blake Haggerty instead of number five, who ran a hitch route on the inside. And that was David Brunel. I think that he was the option that you should have gone with. I think he was more open, but he throws it to Blake Haggerty. And that is incomplete. And on third and 10, they Castleview calls a beautiful screen pass that would have gone for a very long gain, in my opinion. But Nate Schmidt, once again, just can't get it done and puts the screen in the dirt. That is really the nail in the coffin because they lose confidence on this play. Nate has got to be kicking himself in the butt for this, as well as the other missed throws that have really started to add up at this point in the day. And... 
you know, on fourth and 10, he finds Blake Haggerty on a comeback route, but it's just short of the sticks. And Pomona runs out this clock. I will say that, you know, there, there were some great blocks from this line to get one more first down on the heels of Chase Mueller's performance. But all in all, Pomona gets kind of lucky and gets some big plays to win this game. Dom Nichols and, you know, Chase Mueller running the show here and carrying Pomona to a second round appearance against Regis Jesuit. Meanwhile, Castleview goes home, losing a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, I congratulations to the seniors for a solid football career. You will be hearing some of your names on film breakdowns, whether it's on request episodes or top five episodes. But I just want to say I'm proud of these seniors. They played a great game. Some notable guys like Brady Ashworth, Mark Westbecker, and Herschel Craig were all playing pretty lights out in this game, as well as that Castleview offensive line was really physical this game and was holding up pretty well against a Pomona defense that is also known to be pretty physical themselves. For Castleview, the end of this season marks getting into, obviously, the weight room and into the film room. They got to get this quarterback to take another step forward if they want to be taken more seriously this next year. They definitely lost some games that they shouldn't have this year, in my opinion. But hopefully a second year under this first year starter's belt after having to fill in for Johnny Columbia should help out along with a full offseason. You need Nate to take a step forward. You need his reflexes to be a bit better, and you need him to see the whole field is the biggest thing I'd address for this Castleview team. And then obviously replacing a lot of these big-time contributors on the defensive side of the ball. I think that Castleview has always been a pretty stout defensive unit, and so finding guys to fill in, especially Herschel Craig, that's going to be a really hard one to replace, seeing as he's arguably the best player on this team, but definitely one of the best players on this team. And for Pomona, they get ready to face Regis Jesuit. Listen to who I have to take that game and why, and Simon will dive into it as well. But that does it for the Pomona 14, Castleview 7 first round game. And boom, there you go. That is the Pomona versus Castleview game. A thriller for sure on that Thursday night. But Pomona, they will be moving on to the next round and playing Regis Jesuit. So speaking of Cody, I'm going to go ahead and talk about his pick here. So he is going to pick Regis Jesuit, and this is what he had to say about that. This Regis team has allowed some of the best running teams in 5A to less than four yards per carry, and that defense will be the solution here in the second round against a team that lives and dies by running the ball. He is picking Regis Jesuit to beat Pomona. Mason is also picking Regis Jesuit to win this one. He said... I think Regis Jesuit has some dogs, and Pomona won't be able to keep up. So there you go. He is going to pick Regis Jesuit to be Pomona, and I'm going to go ahead and make it 3-0. I'm picking Regis Jesuit. Uh, Regis should win this game. I like Xander Carroll and Xavier Carroll in this offense. I like them playing well against that Pomona defense, but also Pomona will need to score more to keep up with this Regis offense, in my opinion. And uh, Regis, they have some guys on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Ezra Ikuban, I want to say. He's an outside linebacker. Hayden Moore just got offered by Texas Tech. Congrats to him. He's an outside linebacker. I want to say Nuni Tuitelli. 
he may or may not play this game. He hasn't played the last couple games since Pine Creek, I want to say. And so, I don't know what his status is, but with or without him, I think Regis Jesuit, this defense will give Pomona a lot to handle on offense. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Regis Jesuit to win this one and move on to the next playoff game here. And that game is this absolute thriller of a game. An instant classic between Rock Canyon and Smoky Hill. So just so y'all know, Rock Canyon did win this game 52 to 49. Uh, but Smoky Hill's quarterback, junior quarterback, Ty Leak Bowers, went 13 of 22 for 300 passing yards, six passing touchdowns. He also carried the ball three times for 14 rushing yards and rushing touchdown, but it was not enough for Smoky Hill. By the way, he also had three fourth quarter passing touchdowns. Um, a lot of his touchdowns did go to senior wide receiver Anthony Harris Jr. for Smoky Hill, who had 10 receptions, or sorry, nine receptions for 204 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns. Also, I'm going to note here that four different Rock Canyon players scored a rushing touchdown, including, um, I want to say it's Croy Bernie, DeAndre Horn, Cole Dreyfus, their quarterback, and Aiden Duda. But let me go ahead and hop into this game at halftime. Smoky Hill was actually up 20-7, to so it could be argued that they blew this lead and they should have held on to it. But here's what went down. There are two Rock Canyon rushing touchdowns that gave Rock Canyon the lead with four minutes to go in the third quarter. They were leading 21-20. to And so this is where the fireworks begin after those two rushing touchdowns in the third quarter. A literal minute later, Tyleek Bowers throws a passing touchdown to take the lead but they would miss the two-point conversion. So there you go. But they still have the lead. Um, the Rock Canyon will then score with under a minute left of the third on a rushing touchdown, making it 28-26 to after the PAT. Now we're in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, with 11 minutes left, Rock Canyon gets a rushing touchdown to go ahead and extend that lead here in the fourth but Smokey Hill would then reply with nine minutes left with another Tyreek Bowers passing touchdown and completed PAT making it 35 to 33 with Rock Canyon leading um, with the 35 but Rock Canyon will then score a rushing touchdown with seven minutes left plus make the PAT making it 42 to 33 with seven minutes left in the game but Tyreek Bowers, once again, at the five-minute mark, will then throw another sensational passing touchdown and would also get the two-point conversion, making it 42-41, to Rock Canyon with the one-point lead. But with two minutes left, Rock Canyon will then score another rushing touchdown and make the PAT, making it 49-41, to an eight-point lead over Smoky Hill with two minutes left in this game. Within a minute, within the minute, Tide Leak Bowers would go ahead and throw another, his last, unfortunately, passing touchdown of the game, and then throw the two-point conversion, making it 49-49 to with two minutes left in this game. Rock Canyon would then play very smart football and would drain the clock with the running game and then eventually hit the field goal with under a minute left to win this game 
52 to 49 to win their first ever playoff game in school history making history right there so congrats to that rock canyon squad and honestly great game to the smoky hill squad tyleek bowers would have definitely won player of the week if they won this game he had a sensational playoff debut right here and you know he's on our radar moving forward uh, next year as a senior he's going to be one of those quarterbacks we're looking at in a very stacked quarterback class next year but for now rock canyon they survive playing an excellent game here responding taking control of the clock taking control of this game to lead them to their first ever playoff dub in school history so congrats to them rock canyon will be moving on though and be playing legend next week or i guess this week in the playoffs now personally as exhilarating as that first playoff dub was rock canyon will need to have a repeat performance in order to keep up with arguably the number one offense in Colorado in Legend High School. Senior quarterback Colton Warner, senior running back Bryce Vaz, senior receiver Jackson Brush all have the ability to have record-breaking games at any point. They all play on the same team. These are three guys who might make our top five seniors list and might be near the top of that top five seniors list. So be on the lookout for that. But this is an explosive offense that Rock Canyon will not only need to battle defensively, but offensively in order to battle this team, they need to be able to score. They need to be able to keep the ball out of their hands. And so honestly, as much as I do want to root for Rock Canyon here, I think it will not be enough to beat this legend squad because I feel like this might turn into a shootout real quick, a track meet real quick that I don't think Rock Canyon necessarily wants to participate in at all. And so I'm going to go ahead and pick legend to beat Rock Canyon. Mason is also going to pick legend to beat Rock Canyon. He actually says right here in his one comment, Rock Canyon was lucky to win the first game. I won't necessarily say they're lucky, but, you know, it, it takes a lot to score that many rushing touchdowns. No passing touchdowns in that fourth quarter. I'm just going to say that, but um, that's his opinion. And then Cody, he is going to pick Legend as well. He says, congratulations to Rock Canyon on their first playoff win in school history. But if Smokey Hill can score 49 on this defense, one can imagine the damage Legend can cause. He is going to rock with legend high school instead of rock canyon to win this playoff game and move on to the next round of the playoffs now i'm gonna go ahead and jump into this last playoff game here and that is thunder ridge versus fairview i'm gonna hop into it by saying that this game never happened and actually fairview had to forfeit because of some literally last second covid um problems that happened over there we actually got a dm at 11 p.m around 11 p.m on thursday night saying that fairview was going to forfeit this game because of covid issues they had over there uh, i assume a couple people tested positive and so because of that they're not going to play thunder ridge and uh, thunderwood Thunder Ridge would move on in the playoffs because of this forfeit. First off, just wanted to say, you know, obviously our hearts go out to all those kids over at Fairview. They had an excellent, excellent season here. A very good season here led by their freshman quarterback, Beckham Kritza. Um, freshman wide receiver Jordan Rochelle stepping up even in the absence of senior 
athlete Grant Page who did tear his ACL I believe uh, sometime in this year so just wanted to go ahead and shout them out you know they had a good season they will be back next year that is a very young squad but for now let's go ahead and talk about Thunder Ridge versus Arapaho so obviously both teams are rested here there's no fatigue uh, because of the playoffs uh, I'm gonna go ahead and stick with my bracket here that I made last week I believe Arapaho will beat Thunder Ridge because their defense will be too much for this Thunder Ridge line to handle. Um, you know, Arapaho's offense does need to get going, though, and help out the defense and not make this a closer game than it needs to. Um, but if this is a shootout, that's not a great thing for Arapaho. They may need to score on defense, which I think they can do, score on defense, that is. But I'm going to go ahead and pick Arapaho here. I think their defensive line is elite, and they're going to give this Thunder Ridge offensive line a lot of issues. Cody will also go with Arapaho. He says Arapaho doubles down on its defensive performance against Thunder Ridge earlier this year and shows why they're still a contender for state. He thinks they're going to go ahead and do that again. And then Mason is going to rock with Arapaho. Outstanding defense, he says. And I don't know if Thunder Ridge can stop this pass rush so there you go 3-0 Arapaho wouldn't be surprised if Seth Frazier pulls out some magic and wins this one um but he's gonna have to do it against a very good Arapaho defense boom there you go that is all of the playoff games and notable games that happened last week um in week 11 of this Colorado football season and those are all the predictions as well I'm gonna actually go ahead and hop into this next segment here and talk about the players of the week on each level starting with the 1a level I'm gonna rock with senior running back Kelton Turner from Meeker he had 21 carries 238 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns that game um, in his playoff game. And then on defense, he also had 13 total tackles and two interceptions as well as a pick six uh, in a very close dub against Holyoke High School. And so I'm going to go ahead and pick Kelton Turner here. On the two-way level, I think I am going to pick senior quarterback Greg Garza from university he won 7 of 18 for 116 passing yards three passing touchdowns also ran 24 times for 132 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown and an upset win over moffitt county so there you go and then on the 3a level i know they didn't have playoffs but i'm gonna go ahead and pick senior running back parker Ayers from frederick he had 24 carries and 197 rushing yards three rushing touchdowns and an absolute beatdown of mead on the 4a level I think I'm going to go with freshman wide receiver Max Mervin from Ponderosa hauling in 10 receptions for 110 receiving yards and one touchdown in their dub against Aurora Central. And then last but not least, this was probably one of the hardest ones to pick. There are a lot of guys to pick from here on the 5A level, but I think I'm actually going to have to go with freshman quarterback Austin Modruski from Mountain Vista. He won 24-28 for 317 passing yards, six passing touchdowns, one interception, finding five different receivers, four passing touchdowns in his playoff debut against Legacy. And so I'm going to go ahead and pick the freshman quarterback there from Mountain Vista as our player of the week. All right, boom, there you go. That is the week 11 recap for Colorado football in this 2021 
football season. Just went through 1A, 2A, 4A, and 5A playoff um, predictions as well. If you want to check out the 3A predictions, we actually separated that one and included that on Monday's episode, episode 80. So go ahead and check that one out. Um, next week, we're going to have the recap all together this time. And so we're going to talk about 1A through 5A football, playoff football, that is. Talk about all the playoff games, predict the next week uh, for each of these games, and then obviously select players of the week. And so there you go. And then on Friday, we're going to start, restart actually, our top five seniors list series. That series is where we go ahead and rank the top five seniors at every position here in Colorado. This week, we're going to start with inside linebackers. And um, then we're basically going to go in reverse order as we did last year with some exceptions here and there. So there you go. But be on the lookout for that series to start on Friday. We're going to have that be basically our Friday episodes there while Monday slash Tuesday will be our recap episode so there you go thank you so much for rocking with us if you want to see more of our content go ahead and show some love on social media that's facebook instagram twitter and tiktok we'll be posting a lot there uh that way you can be updated on whenever a new episode drops and other things as well make sure to check out our brackets before the season um i know somebody asked are you gonna basically update your bracket every week no we're not going to do that we're just going to have that bracket uh from before the season posted if you want to check out you know our picks as the season goes on go ahead and you know check out these episodes check out these recaps that's where we're going to be making our predictions here so uh there you go but thank you so much for rocking with us and you know what we'll see you at these football games and uh we'll see you later peace